0: Evernational Orienteering Podcast. mapping, and combat. Navigation skill. Orienteering competition. I've really on the, on the Running like a motherfucker. Orienteering Podcast. We are so lucky to be back and we welcome you all to Evernational Orienteering Pod- Podcast also this week. Um, and we said... Um, yeah, yeah, last uh, week that uh, now it's um, not so many competitions left uh, this year. But uh, in Switzerland, when, where you live, there uh, was uh, this uh, Grand Slam final this weekend, uh, Ivo. Yeah,
1: so we can start this podcast with uh, talking about this uh, as the only bigger or event that happened in the week that uh, has just passed by. Uh, it's the Swiss Grand Slam final. And uh, this is a concept, I think the Swiss, it's unique for the Swiss orienteering. Uh, I've not heard of any other countries that do similar stuff. Uh, So basically you have this competition that goes through the entire season uh, with the Swiss championship. uh, And then you score points there based on the results you get. Uh, And when the season is finished, you count the points from the Swiss championship and you have the best 6 from the men and women elite class and the best 3 from men and women 20 qualifying for this Grand Slam final that is always organized in a week early weekend in November at the end of the season
0: so uh, you could not uh, take part even if uh, you are an orienteer living in Switzerland you have to no uh, you have to really earn your spot here and yeah it's
1: quite hard Uh, Of course, Switzerland has a lot of good runners. uh, So we need to perform well at the Swiss championship to get the spot here. Um, And yeah, so leading up to this, the final day, it's a very intense program. Uh, This year, it started with a forest middle distance mass start uh, with four loops and stuff like that. Um, So first a 30 minute race uh, in the forest. And then there is uh, two more sprint races, mass starts, uh, basically like a knockout sprint session, and then it's all finished with a sprint chasing start. Um, some very intense day, uh, a lot of hard running, and a very, very close battle in the end.
0: and do you uh, do you earn points during the day, or how is it uh, yeah how is it to win the middle distance compared with uh, the knockout, the heat?
1: Yeah, now you're asking difficult questions. I think there's a point system uh, because uh, yeah, even if the gaps in the middle distance uh, was big, it was uh, all very, very close into the chasing start. Um, so I think you're earning seconds, uh, not a big amount of seconds because uh, in both classes, the, they started very close to each other in the, in the chasing start. But yeah, there are some kind of point system. So, of course, doing good in the forest race, doing good in the two sprint races before the chasing start gives you an advantage.
0: Yeah, and uh, who was uh, hot in the cold November uh, Saturday? Yeah, so among the women, uh,
1: Sabina Hauswirth won ahead of Simona Eberschold with Elena Ross in third place. Uh, no surprise there. Those three are... Have been the best swiss runners this year on the female side um, so no surprise to see them on top and then the junior sanna hotz she was in fourth place uh, as the best
0: junior girl yeah uh, that's uh, that's interesting uh, that they show their skills in uh, senior level already yeah no I mean, the difference
1: between the best elite and the best juniors are not that big uh, but of course uh, one, shouldn't, one should expect that the, the best juniors in the world, uh, you, you see with Hanna Lundberg, of course she is a very dominating in junior, junior class, so you can't really compare her with the others. But if you're a good junior, you should also be not that far away from the best senior runners in, in your country. And how uh, was it in the
0: men's class? Yes,
1: yeah, so in the men's class, it was Timo Sute who got the win, um, the young sprint specialist. Uh, ahead of Martin Hubmann and with Ricardo Rankin in third place. Here, the best junior was down in fifth place, uh, Benjamin Way.
0: But uh, even though he was um, better than the wet- veteran uh, Daniel Hubmann.
1: Yeah, the, Daniel Hubmann he did really really well in the. He won the forest race, and then it seemed a bit like uh, from the GPS that he maybe didn't have the speed on the on the short sprint laps. Uh, so it suited. I think it suited the, the younger guys more. Uh, it didn't look that tricky. Uh, so quite basic sprint or very short loops and very high speed. That's not uh, perfect for
0: 39-year-old Daniel Huban. Uh No, but he has told um, yeah, earlier uh, this autumn that um, he, he um, is good in forest. So... The world champs in home soil next year will be perfect for him. Uh, but um, the overall um, in the Grand Slam was already decided before the final, as far as I understood. Yeah, I, I don't quite understand
1: that system. But, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's complicated, I guess. But uh, yeah, so Matthias boots. I think he had won all the Swiss champs he had participated in. Uh, so he got three victories from three three races. And therefore, his max score gave him the overall title. And Elena Ross was also the best in the Swiss champs during the seasons. So, yeah. I I don't know if the final is just a separate race or how that really works to get the overall.
0: Yeah, okay Yeah, but uh, yeah, Uh, it was uh, actually an an intense day of uh, racing, um, at least.
1: Yeah, and I think a, a day like that is a really good practice for a knockout sprint. Uh, a lot of time at high intensity, uh, quite short breaks. Uh, so, yeah, a very good session for those runners to get to run the three ra- the, the four races, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. uh Should we... Um, and then they had a party in the evening uh, celebrating uh, the best runners this season.
1: Yeah, the ugala gala they have a uh, celebrating everyone that has been doing well in the season and they're thanking off the people that are quitting, working in the Federation and stuff like that. So yeah, like the annual celebration night of Swiss Orienteering was held afterwards.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Should we continue to see um, who is in the national team uh, in Switzerland next year? Uh, They uh, selected a team uh, uh, last week.
1: Yeah, so as always the Swiss team, it's really, really big. You have a lot of different groups in the team. Uh, Mainly, the difference between the groups are financial, uh, with how good the support is. And then, if it doesn't matter if you're in the A team or the B team, you can go to still train to the same training camps and stuff. So, they have a really, really big team. I think it's more than 30 runners in total, maybe 35. Um, So, yeah, it it feels a bit like in in Switzerland, everyone that is trying to become good, trying to reach international level, everyone is in the national team. While it's a quite big difference to how it is in Scandinavia, for example, where we have a lot of runners that is not in the national team system, but are still training, hoping to run the world championship
0: in the future. Yeah, what do you think about that, uh, to have such a big team? uh well they have the
1: financials to do it and they have been doing it this way for a long time and obviously it works very well for them uh, and i think the main difference is that in scandinavian nordic countries you have the very strong club environments uh, that you don't have in switzerland so if if you're outside the national team in norway or sweden or finland then you still have very good opportunities because you can get support from your club. Uh, you have people to train with. You can go to training camps and everything. Uh, while in Switzerland, if you're not in the national team and you don't get to be a part of that system, it's very hard to to get the help uh, you need to be able to become a better orienteer.
0: Uh, I I think it's good uh, to have a big, uh, big team or uh, not so small at least because then you're not so... Uh there are some injuries uh, there still will be uh, yeah uh, uh, matching and uh, tough uh, trainings uh, when you are on camps so you're not so so um, important, each runner is not so important and yeah, you can have a good group training together even if there are some injuries or illness.
1: Yeah definitely it's like if you have a national team that is maybe five or six runners and then maybe two of them is injured and you have to, are supposed to have a relay training then it's like ah you have three people to run a mass start with, that's, that's yeah. not great. So yeah, in that way, I think it's really, really good to uh, to have a big group of runners. Uh, so you have always very good competition on the training. Uh,
0: yeah, the hard yeah. session. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, but uh, how is it? Uh, is there any uh, notes you have on this? Um, is there anything unusual we have to? Yeah, I mean, we can
1: just go through the A teams uh, because that's the stuff most people know. Of uh, course. So in, so in the men's team, I think it's unchanged from last year. Uh, you have Joey Hardorn, you have Florian Howald you have both the Hubmann brothers, Matthias Kiburz, and then Ricardo Rankan. Uh, and I think Ricardo Rancan is slightly lucky to still be in the A-team because his season has not been really, really good. He qualified for the world champs. But his performance there was, yeah, nothing special. Um, but it's, uh, it, it, uh, yeah, it's uh, quite an old team. Uh, if you remove him, then it's only Joey Hardon that is below thirty. So I think it's good for the continu- continuity of the team that there is also more than just one young guy in the in the A team because potentially. Uh, the old the four oldest of this a team hovalt both the Hubmans and kibbutz potentially they can all quit after the next year world championship at home and uh, then it would be maybe a bit thin to only have one guy that has been has experience from being in the a team before
0: yeah and uh, in the women's side in the A yeah so no surprise
1: simone ebersholt sabine Hauswirth, and elena Ross. they are there uh, as they were this year and then there is a new addition in Natalia Gempele. Uh, so those four girls are uh, the A-team.
0: Yeah, and uh, Natalia Gempele, um, it's a uh, first year uh, for her in uh, Swiss team. And the uh, world champion in middle distance from uh, uh, 2008, uh, 18. Um, 18, yeah. Uh, 18 in uh, Latvia. Uh, she a uh, former Russian runner who has uh, changed to Switzerland this um, coming yeah, yeah, year, yeah, for next yeah. year.
1: Yeah, so she got her passport in the in the spring, and she was trying to change already this uh, in the spring, uh, early summer. Uh, but then, of course, the IOF said no because she had been running uh, world ranking events uh, in February uh, while she was still representing Russia, and then the IOF rules are quite clear on that. So, uh, therefore, she yeah the ask for a dispension to um, to get to represent Switzerland already this summer it was not uh, accepted by the IOF Um, so yeah but next year she has a Swiss passport she wants to run for Switzerland and they to take her in the team based on her previous international results that's uh, quite fair I guess
0: We saw also in Nuringen this summer that uh, she is uh, still competitive uh, even though she has not been competing uh, much uh, this season. Yes, and it will be interesting
1: to see her uh, come back next year. Uh, I think she has had a few posts on social media that uh, maybe uh, seems to be a bit strange uh, towards the other competitors. She had uh, Some post indicating that uh, other female orienteers are against her competing because uh, they are afraid of getting beaten by her. She had a post after Uring, and that was quite strange in that way, where she said that uh, something along the lines that it's it's easier to beat me uh, when it's easier to keep me out from competing instead of beating me in the forest, Uh, implying it's personal that she didn't get to run for Switzerland already this year. Uh, and not the, the IOF just following the IOF rules. Um, so, yeah, uh, it will be interesting to see how she is welcomed back by the international lawering scene uh,
0: after comments like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, uh, something uh, you should keep in your own thoughts uh, yeah, instead of uh, posting in um, yeah, <laughs> either social or other kind of media. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. Think yeah. twice uh, could be good uh, sometimes, but uh, yeah, we will see uh, uh, how that will uh, solve out in uh, both and uh, yeah, in the national team and also when she start compete. Um, yeah, mm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, and then if we continue
1: with the team, there is quite some interesting. Uh, there's a lot of new guys in the team, uh, and on the women's side, there's a few in interesting ones. Uh, because the Swiss team, it's organized, you have the A team, and then you have an under-23 23, 23 group, and then you have the B team, and then you have this extra group uh, that is called like Anschluss group, that is like a, a extra group where they can be, come, they can come to some training camps and stuff like that, but they're not really a part of the national team. Uh, but it's really good to be in this group, so you can go to some of the training camps, and then you are a bit closer to the national team. So it makes it easier to qualify um, for the races because then the coaches will have more info about your your preparation and stuff like that. Uh, and one of the one of the new runners here is Isabel Fier. Uh, she is a very experienced runner. Uh, she had a national team career a long time ago. She was running a lot of World Cup races back in 2011, 2012, when she was first and second year uh, elite runner. She ran the European Champs in 2012. Uh, And then after 2012, she disappeared a bit. She had one single World Cup race in Switzerland back in 2015. Uh, But then she's been out of the team uh, and never been in contention until uh, the World Cup final in Davos this year, where she was the reserve. Uh, and now she's back in contention with the national team in this extra group. Uh, so it'll be, be interesting to see if she can fight back and get into the World Cup team this year. It, it would be quite remarkable to be back after eight years since the previous World Cup race she did.
0: Uh, is this uh, some kind of comeback uh, this year and then uh, another step um, towards the elite next year? or? Uh, yeah?
1: yeah, I mean, uh, of course, if, it's, uh, if you're almost in the World Cup team, uh, it's it's quite normal to have big dreams so with the, with the home world championship I'm sure that she's thinking about this and that's the big target um, of course it's going to be hard but uh, you can only do it if you try so it's really good to see also some older runners
0: coming back in contention and not only the new juniors coming up and yeah, uh, that's also something with the Swiss team um, the coming year that will be Really lots of runners eager to train hard and uh, really motivated uh, for the World Champs and uh, yeah, in home soil. Yeah.
1: yeah, and then another runner that is coming up is uh, is to this uh, uh, extra group is Kim Hardorn, Joey Hardorn's little sister. Uh, she's been, yeah, I think it's her fourth year senior maybe coming up next year. Uh, so she's been in and around quite close to being selected for World Cup rounds and stuff like that, but not quite yet made it yet. Uh, but she's an interesting runner for the future. And then there's a lot of juniors coming up. So they put four of the uh, women 20 runners this year are going into the into the team and three from men 20. So here, Lily Gaber, she goes up to the under 23 group. Sanna Hotz go up to the B group and then uh, Annick Meister, Nina Probst, Florian Froelich, Simon Hamel, and Janis Hutzli runners with running J-walk running a and stuff like that they're going into this
0: uh, additional extra group. And uh, what's the difference between the B group and the under 23 uh, if uh, yeah I think uh, it's only a financial difference. So it's it's better financially
1: to be in the under 23 group. Uh, than it is to be in the B group oh, uh, but that, there it should be no difference practical difference outside of that and the under 23 three group is really really small it's only Lily Grabe that has a lot of K-work medals it's Ellen Gempele and Fabian Ebersholt both of them won uh goals at the World University Champs this summer so yeah the B yeah. group is really big
0: yeah, Gampla, as you mentioned, there she is going for a sprint. Um, yeah, she's going only for sprint, as uh, as I know.
1: Yeah, and that's quite remarkable in the Swiss system. I think uh, I think she is the first one that is be it's been accepted to basically just focus on sprint. Uh, because until now, even if she has only been competitive in the sprint races, she has been kind of forced to to participate in the. Forest training camps, forced to participate in the in the all the forest races, even if she yeah basically uh, ends up in the in the bottom all the time. Uh, so I think it's good for her that she can now focus on what she likes and what she wants to become good at, and focus on things that feels right for her instead of being yeah forced in a way to do a lot of training that she doesn't feel she benefit from. Yeah, so, and... I mean, in, in Scandinavian countries, it's more, it's been common for quite a while. I mean, you have runners that are only doing sprint, you have runners that are only doing forest, while in Switzerland, until now,
0: it's been like, you have to do both. Uh, and with to Gempel and um, national team, uh, we can you can also tell the family relations between them. Yeah,
1: so, Natalia Gempel is married to Elin Gempel's father.
0: Yeah. So uh, then, uh, yeah. 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 Quite, uh, quite interesting uh, relations there.
1: Yeah, it's only I think it's like nine years difference between them. Um,
0: but yeah, that's uh, uh, that's not that uncommon. Uh, yeah, and when when you have um, yeah so many runners coming up and into the team, uh, there are also some has to go out.
1: Yeah, so there's a few a few names uh, disappearing from the team. Uh, the biggest name is uh, Sarina Kiburts. Uh, she has been running a lot of world championship, a lot of World Cup races, European championship and stuff like that. And sh- this is the first time, I think she's been in the team since, in the, in, the, in the senior team since 2012. So 10, 11 seasons in the team and now she's stepping down. Uh, I think basically it's, mostly because of the working situation uh, she's working and can't she doesn't have that many holidays and she doesn't want to probably use the all of them on training camps and stuff like that because she's still training and aiming for the competitions next year and I mean it will be no surprise if she if she shows up at the first world cup races in 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 Istanbul next year even was... if she's not in the team anymore
0: yeah so so she's aiming for um, the international events uh, even if she's not in the team okay that's uh... I think
1: so I mean this is uh, this is my interpretation of the situation I mean she has said that she has motivation for training and she has motivation for competing um, so then of course you can interpret it uh, in different ways but uh, I think she, if the if her winter training at home goes well uh, I'm sure she will be in good shape for the international season also
0: yeah 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 uh...
1: and then other than her there are a few younger runners that uh, goes out siri Sutter goes out uh, sven Helmiller goes out uh, mattia grindler goes out and pascal schmid goes out i mean from these maybe sven Helmiller and pascal schmid are the most uh, with the best cv uh, sven Helmiller he got the jaywalk medal back in 2015 but he hasn't quite made it on the senior level. And now he is 27 and has not been able to get into the World Cup team. So then I guess it's uh, a natural way uh, to then be dropped from the team. And then Pascal Schmid, he was a J-Walk relay medalist last year in Turkey. So I'm a bit surprised that he is out already. So I guess there might be that he has... uh, he has chosen to do it himself because I think it's normal that you get two years in the team before you get dropped out. Um, so I guess that's uh, voluntarily.
0: Yeah, I see. I see. Uh, <clears throat> and we also have uh, seen the selection of the Czech national team uh, this uh, week. Uh, they're always uh, they are also a strong um, orienteering country that will have. Um, yeah, they had the World Champs uh, in the Czech last year and they will have a World Cup uh, on home soil uh, next year in the same mm-hmm. area. Uh, uh, is it any notable from that selection? Yeah,
1: I think at first, like uh, we just talked about the really, really big Swiss team. The Czech team is uh, much smaller. So they have a elite group of five men and five women and then they have a development team with six men and six women so if you just take the party, the team members of the a team the elite team then you have on the women's side you have vendula horshyskova Teresa janorshyskova denisa kosova jana petirova and eliska siglova uh, where the first three are quite established name and the two younger the two last ones are, are very young still uh, and then on the men's side, you have Jakub Glonek, Jonas Hubacek, Wojciech Kral, Thomas Krivda, and Milos Nikodim. So basically here, there's no, uh, no real surprises in the names that are here. Uh, I note that in the women's team, we are missing both uh, Jana Stelikova, formerly Jana Knapova, and Adela Indrakova, or her name is Adela Finstrilova now. So I know that Diana Stelikova, she has announced her retirement. Uh, she retired after the World Championship in Denmark. And I assume that Adela Finstrilova is also retiring as she is not in the national team because she, was, uh, yeah, she has been one of the best Czech girls this year. And she was a part of the relay team that got the, the medal at the European Champs. So if she was aiming for next year, there should have been space for her in the team
0: and uh, i can also say that uh, what, uh, the development team has also some strong names uh, so yeah they, they will push uh, the a team or the elite yeah, team yeah so
1: i think it's special to note that uh, in the in the this development team there is three runners that are still juniors so they are also part of the national junior team uh, but also part of the senior team and i'm assuming that uh, It's seen like these runners are the main target for them next year is, of course, the Junior World Championship. Uh, But there's a really big international season after the Junior World Championship, where you have the first World Cup in back at home in Czech Republic in August. And then there's the European champs in Italy. And I think that uh, yeah, Czech Republic, they don't have a really big depth in good runners. So when it comes to the autumn season next year, these juniors will probably have quite a good chance of qualifying for yeah, for the World Cup or for European champs. And I think that's why they are included
0: here. Yeah, we saw already this year on this, um, that the juniors were uh, running the uh, World Cup for uh, Czech Republic. So, yeah, mm. no doubt about that. Uh, and um, Norway have also uh, picked their uh, national team. Yeah, so this will be the last national team
1: selection we go through in this, in this podcast. Um, so, and, and once again, I think it's really interesting to see these different national teams uh, compared to each other because they all have very different setup. So the Norwegian national team, we have, um, there is a A team uh, and then there's a development team. Um, so here the A team is really big by Norwegian standards. Uh, and then next generation team is called the development team the, it's really small this year. Um, so if you start with the, with the women A-team, uh, you have Andrina Benjaminsen, Arne Dirkorn, Victoria Hesta bjornstad Ingrid Lundanes, Magdi Olausen and Camilla Steyver. So no surprises here. This is runners that have been running world championship this year uh, you have marie Olaus and Yeah, she was also in the World Championship. So basically, it's the five girls that were running the, uh, the World Championship. And then you have Camilla David that uh, was in the top six at World Championship last year. And then she's been out this season uh, as she's pregnant. Uh, so no surprises here,
0: uh, really? Uh, uh, the, the surprise, uh, I think, uh, uh, number seven in the European Champs Middle Distance. Uh, uh, if she... Uh, would have uh, want to be in the national team. Tune or could have been in yeah. the team.
1: So you maybe know a bit more than me, uh, because uh, when when the Norwegian team was announced, it was it's it was said between the lines somewhere that there there was some runner or some runners that uh, is aiming for next year, and they could if they wanted to be in the national team there would have been a space for them but because of family reasons, work reasons and stuff like that, there is uh they have chosen to not be a part of the team. And yeah, I, I assume Tony is one of them. Yeah Tunis
0: uh yeah uh, she's one year older than uh earlier mentioned Daniel Hubman and she has uh, two children and uh, she she um, she wants to take part in some camps and uh, aim for the international events, but uh, yeah, she she doesn't want to be in the national team.
1: Yeah, I mean when you have uh, several kids and maybe even a full-time job, I don't know how much she's working, but then it's maybe not so easy to go three weeks in the training camp in, in, in the winter, so it makes sense for her. And with the results, she had this year a seventh place at European Champs Middle and a top 15 in, in Davos World Cup final. Uh, she is, uh, if she wanted to be in the team, there would have been space for her
0: and yeah uh, you mentioned the international results and uh, she had also really good uh, uh, in the national champs uh, mm-hmm. yeah and
1: yeah, um, if we continue with the women in the in the, the development team there is only two of them now uh, it's emma Arneson and then it's uda Schiele, the bronze medalist from the j walk uh, last weekend uh, and that's so that means in total there is uh, eight Norwegian girls in the national team. Um, And I think it's interesting because before, until this season, uh, this development team has had a very strict uh, up to 25-year-old policy. Uh, But Emma Arnesen is 26 next year, so that means that they have scrapped that uh, strict border. And I think that's really good because we have seen plenty of examples uh, in the last years about girls, uh, female runners that are maybe not always performing that well in the early 20s. Uh, so it's good to be more,
0: um, yeah, patient.
1: With uh, the, more with patient, uh, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: for the girls. Yeah, uh, yes. I think uh, in our the women's. Uh, I think Tune Baguli is also a good example of that. Uh, she's been away from orienteering uh, for uh, uh, years, and then she's um, making a kind of comeback in... Uh, in the older years and uh, yeah actually uh, competing internationally level so yeah mm. and uh, that's the thing also to the to the young uh, girls uh, in the senior class that there is um, there is time and your time will come maybe and yes
1: who, yeah who and it? then should we okay. move to the men's then or yeah yeah take the yes. men team so in the men team there is seven runners in the a team uh, no real surprises here. You have Magne Daly, Kasper Fosser, Eskel Kinneberg, Erik Langedal Breivik, Lukas Lilan, Håvard Eidsmo, and Goethe Stever. Um, and then in the development team, again, very, very thin. Uh, you have Elias Jonsson, Isak Jonsson, and then Cornelius Löfvalt is the new, new guy in there. Uh, so that means 10 male runners in total.
0: Uh, yeah, you said uh, no uh, surprise. Uh, yeah, there. Uh, yeah, maybe not. But uh, yeah, not everyone in the team has propo- performed very well uh, this uh, season. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think for example, Isaac
1: Jungsson, he has not uh, been qualifying for any World Cup or European champs. Uh, But this was his first year in senior class. And it's normal that you get two years in the team before you get thrown out. And he was also quite close. I think he was uh, one of the reserves for European champ, for example. Um, And then, of course, when he's young, uh, that is always counting in his in his favor. Um, but yeah, there uh, are, but, I think uh,
0: also in the um, A team, there are a couple of guys who is not so young and yeah, that uh, has uh, more potential that they've shown uh, this year, I think. Yeah, I think if you're both looking at the Nadelli and to
1: Dave, both of them have had a pretty bad season by their standards. Uh, so, I mean, they, I don't think they can do um, another season like this and then be in the national team for 2024.
0: Uh, but um, I think, um, yeah, uh, Dali is aiming for the world champs in uh, Finland. And that's his uh, last and... last last and final the, goal. Ca- yeah, yeah, for the career. So uh, I think it's good to have him also in the team. Yeah, kind of a veteran there. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then we were talking a bit about
1: uh, the development team being a big thing. There's only yeah. three men there. And I think it's the... You could have given several runners here uh, a spot in this team. This is a part of the where Norwegian orienteering we have quite a quite a bit of depth, uh, and I'm a bit surprised that there is a, there's a few names that I'm a bit surprised that they're not in the team. And if we start with the, the young ones, uh, we have two guys that got medals at J-Walk and they don't get uh, a spot in the development team. As far as I can. Think of in in modern times, this is this must be the first time we have medalists at J-Walk that doesn't get a spot in the in the elite team the first year uh, or in the development team. I mean, uh, so both Tobias Alsta and Mikkel Holt, uh, they in my book, I, th- I think we should have tried to find a spot for them.
0: Yeah, it's um, yeah. Uh, I think uh, interesting with uh, Mikkel Holt, he. Um, he is better international than national, uh, almost. Uh, as uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah Looking has, he briefly, has...
1: <laughs> he has more medals in jaywalk than he had in had in Norwegian champs, almost.
0: Yeah, so that's yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's good. Uh, like Jürgen Rostrup uh, in the good old times. So. Yeah. So, so that's yeah, a then... good uh, good guy to have internationally, I think.
1: Yeah, but of course, if you don't perform nationally, it's very hard to qualify for the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then there's a few more names I think could have been very interesting in the, in the national team. You have Anders Haga. He is 24 this year, but he's still quite new to, uh, new to orienteering in a way because he was mainly competing in uh, cross-country skiing for many years. And that was his primary target. And the last few, two, three years has been focusing more on orienteering and his progress has been really good. And he had two good results in, at the World Cup final in Davos, where he was 15th in the middle and twenty-five in the long. Um, so he could have been an interesting name. Uh, you have Jürgen Barkley that had a 13th place in the knockout sprint in Budavos, and also had a, a good performance at the World University Championship. Uh, in his situation, I guess it's maybe his bad performances at European Champs and bad performance in Davos is counting um, in the in the wrong way for him, and then it could also be the fact that he is uh, one of the best ski orienteers in the world. So in the winter he is focusing on the ski orienteering, and maybe therefore it's not that useful for him to be in the national team uh, because he can't go to the training camps or the orienteering camps in the winter because there and then his mind is on the ski orienteering.
0: Uh, we should also in this um, this uh, spot of the. Pod, they mentioned that in Norway you have to kind of have make an application uh, to be in the national team and uh, they got uh, almost uh, 60 uh, applications uh, both uh, men and women uh, this uh, autumn and uh, when they apply for the national team um, the national team coaches are uh, getting uh, quite lots of uh, information about the athletes uh, with ambitions, goals and, and there are maybe there uh, can be some uh, uh, underlying reasons that uh, some is not in the team that uh, mm-hmm. don't want to be in the team uh, I, I mean that uh, uh, I've heard rumors that uh, for example Ingeborg Aida who was in the development team uh, last year she she will uh, not uh, she didn't want to be in the national team this year mm-hmm. uh, same, same as um, counting for Mats Eidsmo he he thinks that it's, uh, he needs to train a bit more to to be a better orienteer and then come back in the national team uh, yeah. on. even if, he, if Even if his potential is really good and he has also shown that a uh, couple of times this year.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, that was the next spot, uh, the next point in this discussion is the, the runners that are out of the team. Uh, you have Ingeborg Eide, of course, as you mentioned. She's yeah, 25 years old now. She's been in the national team since she came up as a junior. She's often been able to qualify for World Cup, qualify for European champs, and then struggle to perform internationally. So for her to maybe take a step backwards and rebuild in a way, could, uh, that could be a, a good step for her, I think. Um, and then her little sister, Lady is also out of the team after being in for two years. And that also makes sense. Even if she's very young, she is still the last few years she has not been able to qualify for the World Cup team, for example. And many times she's not even been close. Um, so she also need to, may, yeah, take one step back and build again to maybe take two steps forward in the future.
0: Uh, and uh, in Biosen, where they both are running, yes. they have, they have three. Uh, yeah. Three girls in uh, approximately the same level with uh, Oscar Andrean as a coach. So, yeah, they could build uh, quite good there. Yeah, yeah,
1: and the training environment in Trondheim is good. So, uh, yeah, from what I understand, they are still aiming to come back at top level. And it's not like they are
0: stopping. It's really bad that lady is not in the national team, development team, because she's the best co-driver ever when we are on camp. So... <laughs> I, I always want her as a co-driver in my uh, rental car, but now yeah, I have good. to have uh, some other uh, stepping up there.
1: Yeah, maybe you should do some interviews and see which is the best candidate. Maybe one of the new ones can be useful.
0: Yeah, yeah. you have to be uh, quite sharp and uh, mouth to be cool driver <laughs> in my car. Uh, yeah, yeah, then, uh, yeah, then, yeah,
1: then, yeah, then as you said, Mats Eidsmo, you said it uh, voluntarily. That's interesting. I mean... He has uh, high potential. Uh, He's showed this year that uh, he's been able to perform well in some races. Uh, He's been winning two sprint races in the Norwegian Cup. And I think he's one of the obvious candidates for a spot in the the sprint European champs next autumn. Uh, Even if he's so far he's been quite clearly better in these kind of a bit simpler Norwegian sprints and really really technical ones uh, but that's uh, work that can be done uh, and then of course this forest season has been very very bad this year uh, and not not at the level if you could expect from a, a national team runner uh, I had a quick look and I saw that we have been running against each other six times this year in the Norwegian Cup and Norwegian Champs can you guess how many times he beat me
0: uh have you been running any sprint races no this is six forest races yeah uh, then uh, then it's uh, five one in your uh, favor it's six nil oh uh, i yeah. was close at least it was very close
1: but i expect it to be opposite next year
0: yeah uh, uh, but uh, then... but if we take those we mentioned no um uh, every one of them uh, uh, except uh, Anders Haga, uh, are living in Tr- Trondheim, where they could uh, have a good uh, environment for developing and yeah, and do good trainings on uh, yeah, both on camps and uh, in Trondheim um, uh, at the uh, home uh, scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, there's the uh, in Norway we always have this discussion about Trondheim as a, is that really a good place or not for interning? Uh, you have some really really good sides with it there, there are so many runners there are so many runners that wants to become good uh, and therefore there's a lot of training good training opportunities versus the Trondheim the winter there is not really good for interioring and stuff like that but I mean in the last few years many of the the young runners that have been living in Trondheim have, have performed really well uh, so yeah it's uh, everything is uh, there for these kids to uh, to do good training and to become better volunteers next year.
0: Yeah, we saw uh, in the Jukola relay in the men's class there. Uh, they had two uh, two teams uh, going really good the whole relay, and they got out their potential there. I think, yeah, um, yeah definitely. And yeah. Uh, but um, uh, if it's uh, been difficult to choose a national team in. Czech Republic, Norway and Switzerland. I think um, the most difficult is in Sweden. And uh, maybe that's why they are one week later with selecting.
1: Yeah, so it's not been selected yet. But from what we have heard from some sources, it will be announced maybe later this week. So hopefully we can talk about the Swedish national team selection in the podcast next week.
0: And... uh, And... uh... Even though we said last week there was no orienteering event uh, uh, this um, coming weeks, uh, there, uh, we have uh, heard that there is coming up something in Mauritius with the Park World Tour. And uh, I got, uh, got a note on that one. Uh, should we listen to that? Yeah, let's do that. Hi, Eva, there's Thomas the last episode you said there's no orienteering competition going on the next weekend, but there is one in Mauritius, the first international orienteering uh, with a very interesting starter field, Megan Carter-Davis and uh, Yannick Michels and so on. So maybe you can um, get the results from there. Yeah, we heard there that um, there is this uh, Mauritius uh, three days event and um, of course we have uh, Yannick Michels and uh, Östern Kvall uh, traveling down there to compete in some uh, sprint races, um, have you looked at it? Uh, what do you think we can expect there, uh, Ivo? Yeah, so
1: after we got this message, uh, I had to take a look. Uh, so it's the Mauritius three days of orienteering. Uh, it's organized by the Park World Tour travel. Um, so yeah, it's a three-day race. It's a first. There's a super sprint in some kind of beach forest, and then there's a middle distance in what I think is quite a proper forest actually. And then the last race is a park sprint. And yeah, it's not a lot of runners that are, are there in total. Maybe, yeah, I, I looked at the start list. It seemed to be maybe 70, 80 runners in total. And the elite classes, there are maybe 10 runners in each of the classes. And, but still some, some really good runners. Uh, on the women's side, you have the world champion in sprint, Megan Carter Davis. She has to be the big favorite for all the races. And then there's the French national team runner, mile Berwy, and then the German national team runner, Susan Lush. And yeah, from what I've heard, Susan Lush has also decided to retire after this season. Uh, so it might be the last we hear, hear from her on international or on hearing uh, these races.
0: The last um, dance yeah. in... Uh... Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but yeah, of course, you never know. A lot of volunteers, they retire, but then they show up in great form at Jumila and for many years and are visible a long time after their retirement. So, yeah, maybe she will be one of those. And then on the men's side, you said Yannick Michels is there, Eistenko Olostebo is there. That's like no surprise. They are everywhere running these kind of races. Uh, so it's good. Good to have them around, and of course with Yannick on the start list of a sprint race you know that the level is high. Uh, so we will see if someone can beat him. If so, I think the best chances are for Italian national team runner Irikaido Scalé, and maybe the German Felix Späth also. So these seven are like the elite runners that are mentioned there.
0: Yeah, I think um, I think uh, when you are uh, like a sprint specialist as Jannik, you, you need to search for those races yeah to have a competition so I think yeah
1: I'm not sure it's like yeah sometimes the park world tour goes to the PVTA goes to really really good sprint terrains Uh, I'm not quite sure if a park sprint on Mauritius is uh, or a super sprint in a beach forest is uh, that important as a sprint preparation for upcoming international events but I mean, Mauritius, it's a popular tourist destination, so probably really, really cool to go there.
0: Yeah, and uh, right from the top of your head, uh, who will uh, win? Will it be three in a row for Carter Davis and Michels or uh, could Scalé or...
1: Uh... I, say, I say three in a row for Megan and then Ricardo will beat Yannick on one
0: of the three races. And you think um Kohl Österberg, who is... Uh, one year older than Tuna Bergulia. Also, uh, he is too old now. Or...
1: Yeah, I mean, you you should never say people are too old, but uh, I think um, it's been a quite clear uh, downwards spiral uh, in performance for Est in the last two years. Uh, so I think he's not. He was able to be competitive at a really really high level until he was 39 maybe. And then the last two years he's been, yeah, and not, not uh, quite up there anymore.
0: Yeah, and then we can take one, um, one uh, quiz question again. Who is the oldest man winning a world championship medal and in which discipline and how old was he?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was Håkan Eriksson in the sprint in 2004. I'm not quite sure if he was 42, maybe that's minus
0: uh, 42. Uh, he was uh, that's a uh, correct uh, uh, event and uh, name, but he was 43.
1: 43,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I mean, some people there just crazy. Yeah. Uh, he
0: was winning uh, Uringen overall in 1985 and he was uh, taking a world champs medal in 2004. Uh, yeah, Try that. Impressive. At <laughs> Are there something else we should mention before we go to hot and not?
1: Yes, I think uh, just we are recording this uh, on Monday evening. uh, And just before we went online, we saw we read this uh, news coming out from IOF uh, about uh, IOF condemning uh, a Russian Oriental Federation decision uh, regarding Donetsk and Luhansk. Uh, so basically, the in in yeah a month ago in the beginning of October the Russian orienteering federation published a document on its uh, website saying putting out guidelines of how to establish regional orienteering organizations uh, in the regions of in the Ukrainian regions of Donetsk and Luhansk uh, for Russian orienteering. Um, because, you know, the story about how uh, Russia illegally annexed these uh, areas uh, and therefore there was some communication with the Russian Ministry of Sport and, yeah, to going out to the different uh, sports federations in Russia of how to, yeah, now we say that this is part of Russia now, so we have to uh, take action to show that this is part of Russia in daily, daily life too. Uh, so it's really good to see that the IOF is owed very clearly expressing uh, condemnation of the decision from the Russia Russian or the Union Federation. Um, yeah, so basically the IOF says that we are in line with United Nations that the annexation of the these Ukrainian regions into Russia Russia is illegal, and uh, therefore uh, it's against the IOF rules. Uh, that uh, members of IOF they are not allowed to interfere uh, in internal affairs of other members. So, of course, the Russian federations are in no position to create new regional or interior federations in Ukrainian regions.
0: Yeah, I think it's good that uh, IOF uh, go go us out with a clear uh, decision that uh, they condemns this. Uh this uh, act from uh, Russian Federation. Uh... Yeah,
1: because uh, as we know that uh, Russia and Belarus, they are suspended by IOF uh, and the Russian Orientation Federation, they have complained about this suspension and they have argued that the, the ex- exclusion of Russian athletes from EUF competition should be removed because uh, it should not be affected by politics because they say that there's a clear difference between sport and politics. But then with this action, it's quite obvious that the, the Russian Oriental Federation, they can't say that we are separating sport and policy. So, yeah, yeah the IF, they said, uh, also they finished with uh, a very interesting point that they're saying that uh, if Russian Oriental Federation don't withdraw these proposals, uh, it's, the, it's a proof that the Russian Oriental Federation has taken a further step away from having the suspension uh, removed and the membership rights back. Um, so, yeah, um, some political stuff in the end here, uh, but it's good to see that the IOF is taking a clear stance.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's really good. Uh, is there something good in the hot and not also? Start with the hot. Yeah, I
1: mean, this episode we have been talking a lot about uh, national teams. Uh, and as we said earlier, the Swedish national team is expected to come out this um, this week, uh, and also the Danish national team, uh, they w- it will be announced on Friday. Uh, but the Danish Olympic Federation they have already revealed a big surprise uh, on their Instagram, and that's uh, the fact that uh, Maya Alm will make a comeback in the national team. Uh, so yeah, she has uh, she has finished her studies, she has started working, she has a kid, uh, but she wants to come back to the international volunteering next year and I mean that's that's just great um, and I think it's really good for the Danish team they have a lot of promising young girls uh, but maybe been lacking a bit the leaders type uh, to show the way and there is no one better than my own for, for that
0: uh, Do you think she will run both the forest and sprint?
1: I hope so I mean she has been performing really well in Forest world Championships before, and yeah I think uh, yeah the, uh, the, the Swiss mountains it's uh, maybe not the perfect for her, but I think that's experience that she wants to wants to have.
0: yeah, we have to remember she got the bronze medal um, last year's world Champs in uh, Czech Republic in the sprint there, and then it was uh, yeah on uh, yeah not uh, very specific training for towards that uh, champ i think
1: no and i mean the, of course i think the in general the level of the female sprinters are better now than 5 years ago when Mayan was totally dominating uh, so if she wants to if she wants to win the european champs next year i think she has to be at the same level as she was back in the days and that can be hard but uh, i think for sure she will be if she if she really wants this
0: she will be one of the medal contenders for sure. Um, just a short one on that. Uh, there was a training uh, with a Norwegian national team and a Danish, uh, some Danish national team runners in Silkeborg uh, this uh, spring. And uh, suddenly, my arm was there in the uh, in uh, in a lunch uh, from her work. She had seen um, there was some orienteering going on in the street, and she had to come down and uh, say hello. So. I think she is uh, she's, uh, already then, missing the environment in orienteering. And uh, yeah, this is uh, this uh, shows that she will be back in, uh, yeah, good for the national team in Denmark and good for the w- women orienteering. Yeah, we have, we have talked a bit about this this autumn that the
1: women orienteering, it's been very few nations uh, really been fighting in the top because you have the Swedes, you have the Swiss, you have the Norwegians and you have the Finnish girls that have been dominating both with the top runners, but also with the depth. Uh, but with my arm back, I mean, it's a Danish relay medal at World Championship. It's a possibility a sprint relay medal for Denmark is more likely with my arm in the team than it is without. And also individually, she can be competing in the top.
0: Yeah, and uh, you should never talk about uh, the age of a woman, but uh, she's born in 1988. So... Compared to some other we mentioned earlier in this episode, she's uh, quite young.
1: She's still very young. Yep. So then I think we should go out uh, on on the knot. Um, I saw that um, there has been the annual nomination for the Swedish Sports Award has been published this year, uh, and we have been the orienteers have been spoiled lately with uh, a lot of nominations and. Back in, after 2019 World Championship, Tuve won a lot of prizes. Uh, and the, the relay team was nominated. Gustav Bergman was nominated as the male sports person of the year. And then you had the Håkan Karlsson, the national team coach, he was nominated. So yeah, there's been a lot of orienteering nomination in the Swedish sports awards uh, in the last five years. Uh, but this year there are no orienteers nominated. Uh, of course, it's not really a surprise because 2022, it's been a, a year with a lot of big championships. You had the, the Winter Olympics in Beijing. Uh, you had the uh, Athletics World Championship, uh, a lot of swimming World Championship and stuff like that. So it's a hard year to compete. Uh, and so even if Tove did a good season with the World Championship gold medal and uh, a World Cup victory, her season missed... Uh, yeah, I mean, she didn't win all the goals at World Championship. She didn't win all the goals at European champs, and she didn't win all the World Cup races as she has been doing before, more or less. So yeah, it's a hard year to get nominated. So it's not really a surprise, but it's a bit ah. It would be it it would be it's always good if orienteers are being recognized by the uh, mainstream media.
0: In yeah, but levels. I I think actually Tuves, um, uh, what should I say, suffering. Uh, A bit for her own success because uh, she's actually winning the overall World Cup uh, for eight times in a row and then uh, it's not uh, unexpected news for the press. It's uh, really impressive but uh, yeah it's common and uh, when you used to win five um, World Championship gold medal then you only win two it's uh, not uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So even like when she won all the prizes back in after the twenty nineteen season, it was like she won, yeah, she won all the three world championship titles that year. And then of course it's hard to it's hard to live up to that.
0: Yeah, we should not make fun and jokes uh, on behalf of the Swedes, but uh, isn't it the horses who used to win uh, best athlete uh, <laughs> award in Sweden?
1: Yeah, they used to win the voting. Uh, with all the teenage girls voting for the horse, horse riders.
0: Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> but um, there will be no uh, talking about horses. Uh, but uh, even though some, um, yeah, we call next episode Silly Season Special. And uh, maybe also the national team selection in um, in just Sweden. Is yeah. that uh, to come uh, in a week or so? Yeah. So the plan is to,
1: we will talk about the Swedish national team selection a bit more about the Danish, hopefully, maybe some other interesting nations are selecting their teams. Uh, and then we will do a, what we will call a silly season special, where we will talk a bit about the, yeah runners changing club uh, this between this season and the next one. Uh, and then, of course, uh, if someone has anything they think we should talk about, uh, reach out to us. I mean, both both of us are available on facebook chat uh, we are available even national orientation podcast is available on the twitter dm and the instagram dm so if you have something that you want us to discuss feel free to contact
0: yeah we are open for every every uh, thing from you and um, yeah we are there for you listeners and we will be back in one week and in the whole uh, winter season then we need some um, yeah listeners contact
1: Yep. So see you.
0: Yeah, thank you for this week and see you next week. Bye. I'm Raul Ferra, head coach of Harden Ski Club, and I always listen to Ivernational Orienteering Podcast to get the best overviews and analysis of the main events in the orienteering season. IV National Orienteering Podcast, mapping conference, navigation skills. Jeg har vommet noe jævlig på, på Running like a motherfucker. Iver National Orienteering Podcast.